and the brave new world begins. When all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings, with terror and slaughter return. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Copybook Headings podcast. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this show is uh, inspired by the poem by Rudyard Kipling called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. And every week we take an old proverb or maxim and we break it down to see what we can learn from it and see if there's still any relevance for, uh, today from these uh, these old sayings. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Payne, and with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, uh, Andrew Stevens. Andrew, how are you, man? Outstanding. How are you doing? Oh man, that's what I like to hear. Outstanding. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite there. I'm, I'm probably at fine level, uh, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, I'm glad you're outstanding. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay opti- optimistic here. So there you go. There's, there's probably a saying about optimism that we will get to at some point in our. Yeah, uh, time. We're, we're probably you know subconsciously avoiding the, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. We might be subconsciously avoiding a few of these. Um, so you just, uh, did we, I don't know if we talked about this last time or if we were on air or off, I can't remember, but you got a book of, uh, of some old sayings, right? Oh yeah. I've been uh, kind of perusing some, some books from, from the library to see if we want to kind of expand my own, my own collection and use as mm-hmm. source material for this, for this show. So, um, was looking at, I've got, I've got a couple right now. One is a, a dictionary of, of modern proverbs and another one's a dictionary of American proverbs. And we, we picked, a for a recent, I think maybe our last episode, we picked something from, from that book. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool to see these, um, see these types of dictionaries. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like how the, the Oxford English dictionary came to be and, and kind of it's the, the, the philosophy behind that approach. Like Mm-mm. it's based, it's like a usage based dictionary. So when they, when they made it back in eight, the 1800s, the, the scholars in charge of it were saying, hey, how is the English language being used? Mm-hmm. Let's let's find sources for like the earliest usage of, of the words in the English language. So they're trying to go back into old books, find the oldest books they could and, and how the, the words were used back then. And hmm. they solicited the help of other academics and even just the general public. Um, there's even like a book and a, and a movie about uh, a, a convicted or... Uh, I don't know, someone from an insane, insane asylum mm-hmm. who contributed just a massive amount to this effort. Like that's just what he did all day in the asylum. So the professor and the madman, I think is the name of the book and the movie. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I digress. No, that but, was interesting. <laughs> but the, there's kind of a similar approach taken to some of these, these dictionaries of, of proverbs where they're trying to find, origins uh with the Amer- this american one they it might not go all the way back to the very beginning it might be more how it's originally used in america mm-hmm. as opposed to in europe but yeah I, I it's been some interesting reading and looking up different different sayings yeah i always thought it would be cool to have a a copy of like a like an etymology dictionary. I've never told mm-hmm. anybody that probably because I think I was a giant nerd. But I thought it would be cool to like just look <laughs> up where these words came from originally. Maybe that's part of my interest with these these uh, these proverbs, these aphorisms too. I, I got one. Uh, I got a book too of the 
it's a it's a book of British proverbs, which I've been reading through, which I found for free online, which is kind of cool. So, um, yeah, well, we've got we've got content galore. So, oh, yeah. dear dear listener, don't <laughs> fret. We will have one every week for the foreseeable future till Andrew and I are dead if we want to, because uh, we'll never run out of these. No, we, we will never run out of these. <laughs> So speaking of which, uh, we got a good one this week, right? And as usual, yeah, yeah so, as usual, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Why don't Why don't you give it Give it to us here? Uh, I think you picked this one. I can, yep. if you'd like, I can tell a little bit about the the person who coined it. Sure. You, yeah. Yeah. So this one uh, is uh, bachelors' wives and maids' children are always well taught. I thought this one was. Uh, kind of clever in an ironic sort of, uh, you know, tongue in cheek sort of way. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about it, but, uh, yeah, you found some interesting history on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I found that this attributed to, to a French aphorism writer. Um, and I'm just going to do the American pronunciation. I don't do French. So, uh, Nicholas Chamfort. Okay. Um, and he was around the time of, um, Louis the 16th, he was around the revolution and the Jacobins. He was kind of right mixed up all in the middle of that. He was served the, the, the aristocrats turned on them with the revolution was one of the first people through the doors in the Bastille, um, turned on the Jacobins for being too harsh and then was arrested. Um, and then had kind of a grisly, a grisly death. Um, not, not from the guillotine you might, imagine but he uh rather than be arrested for a second time he did not care for imprisonment he uh he tried to kill himself and failed he shot himself in the face didn't kill himself and then stabbed himself in the neck didn't kill himself stabbed himself in the chest and in the legs and didn't kill himself and yikes lasted another like seven months or so so Pretty rough, pretty rough ending for this Jeez, guy. Norm, yeah. Normally, a shot to the face will do the trick. So, uh, yeah, you'd think so. I mean, this the, guy's so just the Wikipedia, bad luck here. Yeah, Wikipedia says the pistol malfunctioned. Oh. But I don't know if he shot off his nose. I feel like maybe it was his aim that malfunctioned. But <laughs> either so. way, um, yeah. But interesting aphorism writer in yeah. during life um, had an interesting life and. Um, yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about this one. Uh, yeah, what caught your eye about it? Because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh man, I don't know what to say about this." But you had you had some interesting thoughts. So, what was it just like initially that jumped out at you? Okay, so initially, that what jumped out at me was the the uh, the parenting aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's two parts to this: bachelors' wives and maids' children are always well taught. Okay, so what it's talking about here is bachelor's wives. What's a bachelor's? Well, obviously bachelors don't have wives, right? So, cause they're bachelors. So what it's talking about here is anyone who is a bachelor, when they're discussing their wives or the wives that they don't have yet, they're always well taught. Well, my wife is going to be like this. I'm going to, you know, my woman will do this for me or whatever. And the mm-hmm. same thing with, with, with young maidens who don't have children yet, my children are going to be like this and, and this, that, and the other. And I thought that was kind of, this was kind of funny because uh, you do see this. You do see this quite a bit. Uh, we've we've talked, we've discussed many times <clears throat> various aspects of parenting and how difficult sometimes it can be with uh, do uh, trying to be a good parent. And while 
having to deal with the the gaze or the judgment of those around who may not know what's going on. And yeah. it seems like everybody who isn't in the situation seems to know better than the person who is, which is, uh, you would be, you'd think would be counterintuitive, but it doesn't stop people from, from putting their two cents in. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. Um, yeah, you see it a lot, uh, with, you know, videos that go viral. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of kids, you know, kids misbehaving and stuff like yeah. that or catching a parent at a, at a rough spot. And, you know, um, Oh, I think maybe the, maybe the number one place where I see this is like with air airplanes, like kids on oh, airplanes, yeah. right. Yeah, That's man. where people love to, to armchair quarterback parents. Gosh, <laughs> that's like, terrible. Right. Yeah. Airplanes are terrible because you're all locked in this place together. The poor kid doesn't know what's going on. You know, kids are naturally, they got a lot of energy. They like to move around. They don't want to be trapped in a seat for however many hours, not yeah. to mention you add the pressure changes. Kids are prone to ear infections and ear problems anyway, more so than adults. They could have terrible ear pain. You don't know what's going on with this kid. And these, sometimes these poor kids are just shrieking, you know, yeah. and it's, it's unpleasant for the passengers, no doubt, but yeah. As unpleasant as it is for you sitting next to the kid, like the kid's suffering more than you are. But, you know, today in society, we, we have a lot of people that seem to have an inability to, to empathize with a small child, you know, yeah. um, for whatever reason that I, I'm not sure why, but, but yeah, we, we, I see that all the time. Planes, that's a really good example. Yeah. And a, and a parent wants nothing more than their child to be quiet on a plane. Yeah. And, and to be comfortable. <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. Not only for the comfort of their kid, but also to to spare themselves the humiliation of everyone staring daggers at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we uh, we had pretty good. We took our kid our kids on their first flight last fall, and uh, last I guess their first flights there were a few of them. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it went pretty well, and and um, fortunately we had pretty understanding people around, especially I think the biggest, the biggest help was like the flight crew being, oh, yeah. uh, being understanding and they, they did great. And so, uh, so a tip I learned on a different flight from, from a guy I was talking to sitting next to me, what he always does, he likes to bring a, you know, like a box of chocolates or something for the flight crew. Just, uh, just up front, just give it to, give it to the, whoever's greeting you to, to share around with the, with everyone. And nice. sometimes you get some nice stuff. Sometimes it's just, anyway, it's just a good, nice way to say, uh, to say thanks in advance. And, uh, if you're going with ki- little kids, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Another one I, I heard was, um, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I was going to say another one my wife was telling me was people who do little, kind of gift bags for the people around them in case the kids are uh kids are going to be loud you know earplugs and stuff like that for oh that's <laughs> nice might be around just in case the kid isn't isn't feeling well and having those ear pains yeah yeah it's tough i, I mean i've on experiences personal experiences on planes and also videos i've seen usually the crew knows how to do it they're usually yeah. pros and they've been down that road many times they know how to handle a kid you know that's that's freaking out. It's other passengers that may not be as familiar with small children. And now they're locked in a tin can at 30,000 feet with one. And they don't, they just are just flipping out as much as the kid in their own way. Yeah. They don't know what to do. And they're like, why won't this kid be quiet? And you're like, well, 
that mom probably wants to know the same thing, man, but like <laughs> there's no off button. <laughs> I, um, so one thing that came to my mind as well is I hear there are sometimes there are tragedies with kids that like some, something bad will happen. A kid will mm-hmm. get hurt or yeah. a kid will even die sometimes because of something. And, and I've, I've seen people just be horrifically cruel, uh, you know, talking to the, about the parents, uh, this parent is so irresponsible. This parent is terrible. They should have all their other kids taken away. And, and I don't know if these people are, you know, haven't been parents themselves, or maybe they've only had one kid or something, but like, if you have a few, <laughs> like think, like think, think, things can kind of get, a, get away from you. It's very possible for a kid to go run and do something stupid before you can, before you can react. And, yeah. um, and, you know, I think, but for some, maybe some guardian angels, my, my kid might have had a horrible thing happen to him once or twice too, you know? So, um, this is one where I see, I see quite common, quite common. And, and that's one of the more distasteful ones, in my opinion, just because of the, the tragedy maybe that are, that the parents have already suffered and then they have to deal with people piling on as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great one. A, a great example. My, my wife show, shows me those every now and then that, that crop up in her in her circles and stuff where yeah someone's sharing trying to share something valuable either about themselves or just something you know to help other people you know like something to, for people to be aware of and yeah it's just like this criticism about the the worst moment of their life you know just yeah just nuts well, I'll share an experience. We had a we had a very near tragedy uh, in my family a few years ago. Um, we uh, we were living down in Arizona. We, we had a house with a pool, and it was summertime. We were all out outside swimming, and my little guy, how old was he at the time? Two or something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was out there swimming with everybody, three maybe, and um, and of course had his life jacket on. We were all out there watching him and everything, and he he wanted to get out of the pool. He wanted to go get a popsicle, and so. I took him out. Wife was still in the pool with the rest of the kids. And we had, I had propped the pool gate open, which was my, my, my near fatal error. Uh, But I didn't think anything of it because we were both out there with him. No big deal. We're all watching him. We'd, we'd shut the pool gate, but just so people could go in and out and go potty and do whatever they need to do. Right. So I propped the pool gate open and uh, bring him in, get him his little popsicle. And then uh, I, I don't know if I had turned around for a second or I'd gone to go to the bathroom myself and I was, let him open this popsicle. But instead of staying in the kitchen where I thought he was, he went back into the pool. And my wife who was watching the other kids was not expecting another kid to come back. So she, her attention was on the other end of the pool and he fell in behind a big floating, like, you know, oh, uh, yeah. f- inflatable Tube dolphin or, or something. something. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so he's sitting there like, and, and, and we had a very near accident by the time she oh, got man. him out. So it was, re- it was very scary. So, yeah, I mean, um, and you know, we, we, went back and tried to figure out all the things we did wrong. We did find some things we could have done better, but it's like, it doesn't take much for a kid to potentially have an accident. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it would have been incredibly hard to take for my wife already felt like, like she was terrible and, you know, she didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, but, uh, it'd been pretty awful to have all the, all the perfect parent Monday morning quarterbacks coming and telling us what awful people we are. Yeah. What do you think? Um, what are your thoughts on, on the other half of this one with the, uh, the bachelors? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that's the next part I was going to bring up. That was kind of funny. This one's, uh, more humorous to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think because you'll, you'll hear, okay. So bachelor's wives 
and make sure they're always well taught. Yeah. So for me, the first thing that came up was kind of like this, <clears throat> you get these like alpha male type of guys online, you know, you got yeah. like the An Andrew Tates of the world who are telling you, right. to, don't get married. Women are just going to take all your money. And if you do get married, they have to do this, that, and the other. And, and, uh, and you'll get these guys who follow them and they're saying this stuff and you're just like, man, like, I don't know <laughs> if you have any clue what you're talking about. Like, that's not how a relationship works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it really just doesn't like, I don't know of any real life and it's not just me. Like, I don't know any real life relationships that look like this, this thing that this, you know, influencer is telling you. Cause uh, I, I just, I just, I just never seen it. Like a real relationship has give and take you have, you know, compromise here and there. And you have two people that are very different. Your, your spouse is not going to be exactly like you. Um, and you're going to have to figure it out and, and work your way along. But that's what I thought. What, what did you think? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's one of my pet peeves. The, uh, the, the trads, the, the traditional, the traditionalists, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so like people who, who are like women who advocate traditional femininity, however they define that and men who advocate traditional masculinity and, you know, and I, I, it's something I think that that's appealing to me, but, but the influencers who, who are all about it seem not to, to walk the walk. And so it's just right. kind of irritating to see these people. Like, I don't know if, if I thought, if you were a traditional masculine, why are you on social media all day? If right. you're a traditional feminine, why are you on social media all day? Like, yeah. Um, you think these people would be off getting married and having kids and yeah, so many of them are, are single and <laughs> single and childless and, and they got all sorts of opinions on families and it's pretty yeah. funny to watch. Yeah. We, uh, um, we had our friend Kevin on not too, not too long ago and he had, mm -hmm. you know, he's working on this, this natalism conference where he's talking about, you know, uh, having children and, and, uh, the importance that, uh, having families is to, to society, which is kind of an interesting project he's working on. Uh, but you don't see a lot of people, you don't see those online <laughs> influencers, you know, in projects like that, where they're talking about building families, Yeah, you just see them, you know, uh, making money alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the, for, for, for a lot of the guys, you know, the, the traditional masculinity is just sleeping around and then, uh, and then they yeah. don't really think about the next step because that's all they want to do. So <laughs> Yeah. I don't know where that takes you. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, it seems like that would, I've never done that, but it seems like it would get old after a while. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get you to the, uh, you know, having, having the stability and, and the children and the legacy that is a traditional way of having a legacy, I guess. So I don't know. Maybe everyone thinks he's going to be Alexander the great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but yeah, the, uh, it's, it's, you see this all the time. I mean, it's, it's very, very common. Uh, nowadays, especially in with the internet to see, see people talking about, um, you know, the spouse that they don't have, the kids that they don't have and how everything's going to be, or, or criticizing people who, who do have it. Um, and, and not to say that there's never any criticism to be given. I mean, obviously anyone can do something foolish, whether it be a, a parent doing something foolish with a mm -hmm. child or a spouse treating a, their spouse, not the way you would or, or something. And, and, um, <clears throat> everyone has a right to their opinion. Uh, but, uh, it's uh, it's just kind of humorous when the people who have the strongest opinions are the ones that have literally no experience in the in that realm. Yeah. Um, one thing that I mean came to mind for me also is the how valuable experience is in just about 
in so many different fields. Like I've read books from like sometimes veterans, you know, and you'll have guys who are maybe like they've gone through Navy SEAL training and these guys have millions of dollars of government training and they're mm -hmm. coming out of the sale, out of the, out of, out of the buds training. Right. And they do their weapons training, do their whatever, but they're still to the other guys. They're considered a rookie until they've been yeah. on a few missions. Right. Even though they had all of this training, they, they know everything backwards and forwards until they've actually been there and experienced it and had people shooting at them. They're like, oh, this guy's a newbie. Let's put him with some of the more experienced guys to make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. Right. I mean, that's kind of how it is with even, even the most highly trained and that's, you know, lots of industries, lots of jobs that are the same way. You're not really considered a full fledged member of the team until you've had some experience. You've been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. And I think that's certainly true with relationships and, and kids as well. Yeah. I Absolutely. And, and, uh, that just reminds me of kind of the, um, the way I initially read this one, um, you know, bachelor's wives and old mates, children are always perfect. Um, the, the very basic sense I saw out of this was, well, there's no such thing as a bachelor's wife or an old maid's child. So that's nobody, right? So nobody is always perfect is kind of mm -hmm. how I saw that at first. And so, and so I also I was saying to you, well, I don't know what to say about that. Cause it's kind of, it's one of those, like, well, yeah, nobody's perfect. So <laughs> it's kind of obvious, but, but I liked that point about, about the training, even, even people who, um, who are highly trained in something, um, like with, with the Navy SEALs, like you still, there's still something that you need to learn. There's still some experience you need to gain to be. To, to be there, to get to that level. And, and in some sense, you know, maybe there's something you're, there's always something you can be learning, which is, you know, a topic we've talked about before. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, in, in parenting, there's so many different ways to do things and there's, there's not even necessarily a, a consensus always on the right way to do various things. I mean, there are experts and they do have things and sometimes they have a consensus on, on various things. Uh, but sometimes they don't. And, uh, like for, for example, there's, there's methods of getting your baby to sleep. Anyone who's a parent would know at some point you got to get this baby to sleep. <laughs> so mm -hmm. They don't want to sleep. Right. So yeah. there's lots of different ways. Well, there's the concept of if the baby's just being really fussy, some people will say, you just need to put the baby in the room, shut the door, let them cry it out and let mom yeah. get some, get some rest. That's a method, the cry it out method. Other people, some people say, yeah, sometimes that's just necessary. Make sure they don't need it. They're not sure they're not hungry. They don't need to be changed. They're not sick, anything. And then just let them, let them just tire themselves out. Other people will say, no, don't do that. That's, that's, yeah. you're traumatizing the poor kid. Don't it's ever barbaric. do that. Yeah. That's barbaric. Don't, yeah. And, and <laughs> which is correct. I, I honestly, six kids later, I don't even know. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, like I, I have the humility to be like, I just, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is there. I've, I've, I've heard arguments, both sides. I can see it. Um, and so, yeah, even, even once you've had the experience, it doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to know everything. So, but, but having yeah. the experience, I think, opens your eyes sometimes to how much you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I have so much like ex, expertise fatigue, I think maybe I <laughs> yeah. call it just from every, if you, if you're online, you know, or I'd say probably even if you just watch TV, like there, everything has very strong, very conflicting opinions. And, and it's just, at a point you just kind of get sick of it and just kind of, well, I guess you, I'll pick one or I'll just do whatever I'm going to do, but like trying different things on, you know, fitness and, mm -hmm. and 
diet. Um, there's just, there seems to be as many strong opinions as there are people. And people who are certain they're doing it right and you're doing it wrong. And that's just, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where I, I got to think, maybe maybe it's nice, maybe it was nicer back in the day where you were in a village and you only had to deal with a hundred conflicting opinions instead of, yeah. you know, a hundred thousand. Just because just because your circle is so much bigger now of, of, of voices that you have to listen to. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I'm sure there's a saying about this. Well, I can think of one. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There's one right there. We could probably yeah. talk about, you know, <laughs> everyone thinks they found the, the the right answer for things. And maybe there in certain areas, there is no right answer. There's multiple right answers and you can, you can figure it out. Uh, the fitness one is funny because you see these these fitness influencers and everyone's got their own program they're trying to sell on Gumroad, you know? And so they're yeah. trying to, they're trying to pitch their thing and this is the only way to do it. And if you don't, you're going to be a fat slob forever. And you're like, well, this guy over here is telling me something totally different. He looks pretty ripped too. So I don't know. You know it's like yeah. <laughs> maybe both your systems work. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe you guys need to fight it, fight over it. And we'll, uh, we'll go with whoever wins, you know? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Get them in a, get them in the Coliseum and have some yeah. gladiatorial uh, battle to the death. Um, okay, so uh, what about the what we call the the gods of the marketplace, right? Which is the antithesis of these copybook headings, as in, as described in Rogers' poem, uh, Kipling's poem. Um, Do we have any anything society disagrees with on this? <clears throat> well, I mean, I'd say I would, there's definitely a strong impulse to say that you know, tr- I guess trust the experts, even if the experts aren't experts from experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think this one's alive and well, I think this one's fighting against this one is kind of human nature. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably part of why, um, part of why our author wrote this, you know, cause it's kind of, it's kind of funny and it's kind of a, a wry observation on, on how people are. Um, yeah, he's, he, he was definitely better at writing Proverbs than he was at, at, uh, suicide, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, poor, poor, poor soul. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, <clears throat> I agree. This is a, it's a very common one. Uh, also, I, I feel like nowadays there's a lot of like credentialism where mm-hmm. people will kind of outsource their thinking to the people with the fancy degree or the, the very official looking seal on their door or whatever, you know? And so yeah. you'll get people that are like, well, the study said this and you're like, yeah, well, okay. You know, the study can say yeah. that, but you know, and especially when like the credentials seem to be um, traveling farther and farther from from the expertise and from the experience where well, a lot of fields used to have to kind of get their hands dirty in their field. Mm-hmm. Um, and now academically, you really don't need to to get in there as much. You can rely on the studies of other people um, and still call yourself an expert. Like your own research doesn't have to be ground ground moving, um, doesn't have to influence the field as much. You can just kind of coast on, uh, on what's out there from other people. And I got the, the replication crisis with, with so much scholarship, um, just being unable to reproduce results mm-hmm. that are, that are found, but still those people who can't, you know, whose stuff can't be re- replicated are still saying they're the expert. And that they that they know best, man. It's tough with that, yeah, too, because you'll have a, a layperson read one study and then think, "Wow, holy smokes, I didn't know that was the case." Yeah. Unaware that 
other experts in the field have tried to do that same study again and have not been able to get the same results. Yeah. Who knows how many times, or maybe it's a brand new study and they haven't tried to replicate it yet, but they will in the future and they won't be able to, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, this is, uh, this, maybe this saying comes down to a little bit of humility, you know, and just trying to avoid the hubris of, of trying to be an expert on everything and, and thinking, you know, better than people who've, who've been there and, and done that. And yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That, it, um, I'm reminded of, of it was Stephen Covey, the, the seven habits of highly effective people, you know, mm -hmm. one that has stuck with me since I read that many years ago was the, you know, kind of the, the paradigm shift, right? You've got the, I think he tells a story of a man on, on a subway or on the train and his kids are acting all rowdy and people are getting upset with him, kind of, kind of like the airplane stuff. Um, people are upset with him for not managing his kids. And, but it turns out he's just coming from his wife's funeral or something like that. And so, you know, having yeah. So having some humility in um, how we view other people and, and having some humility in how we view our own expertise in doling out <laughs> advice to other people. I had this, uh, I had this scout master back in school, back when I was a kid and I was in boy scouts and, uh, he was one of the coolest guys and he, he seemed to know everything about everything, you know, like mm -hmm. he was like kind of real outdoorsy and he could just tell you everything. He'd, he'd hunted every kind of animal and he could track them. He could do all sorts of stuff. So in his realm, at least in this realm of scouting and outdoorsy stuff, he just was like an expert and he would tell us stuff and he'd give us this, you know, his opinion on things. And then he would always say at the end, he'd be like, yeah, but what do I know about anything? You know? And I just thought that was funny. Cause to me, he seemed like, just like this, he knew everything. This guy, you could ask yeah. him a question about his car's engine. He would know it. You could ask him about animals. You could ask him about the weather. He just knew it. But then he would always end, end things. Well, well, but what do I know about anything? And it always kind of stuck me. And sometimes I've, I've tried to use that myself. It's like, you know, it's just a little reminder of this is what I've learned so far, but who knows, you know, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I could be, could be off a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's an important lesson to carry forward is to, to any, any advice on how to do that? Is there a, is there, are there tips and tricks on how to remain humble in this information age where we feel like we, it's easy to think, you know, everything? Yeah. I, I think just, uh, getting in, getting in the habit of, of pausing before you want to make a snap judgment. Um, or at least, at least before you, you say something, you know, <laughs> you might, yeah. You might, it might be hard to, to stop that thought from, from occurring right away. That's just, it might just happen. But before you, before you share it, before you, even if you're just to share with someone else who's not involved just to be snarky or whatever, but take, take a pause, um, come back to, come back to it and see if you still think the same thing in, in a, in a little bit of time. Yeah. I like that. And, and, and I think it's important to remember that online social media rewards the opposite of that. It rewards snap judgments and extreme opinions, mm -hmm. uh, forcefully denouncing people. So if someone's doing that online, one, just remember that the one you're seeing it because, because they're doing it that way. And there's probably yeah. other like uh, more reasonable opinions that probably were uh, buried by the algorithm. And, yeah. uh, and, and internet isn't real life. So <laughs> don't get too worried about it. Treat people yeah. good in real life. And and don't, don't worry about the people online. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's pretty much time. I thought this was a, thought this was an interesting conversation. Any, any last comments or thoughts on this one? 
No, not not on this one. I do wanna I do wanna plug our our various social media and uh, so for for stars check us out on on Twitter or I should say on on X is that what yeah. we're calling it now? I guess um, so. Yeah, we are at Copybook Podcast over there. We also have uh, currently a, a Substack Copybook Headings podcast on Substack. We put up some articles about a little more about the origins of some of the proverbs we're talking about. You can also mm-hmm. find links to episodes there. Um, what other what other social media do we have right now? Uh, Instagram, Copybook Headings Podcast, I think is what it is. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't have my phone near me. Uh, yeah. And so, but you can find us. Uh, yeah. Follow us on social media. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, but you haven't subscribed to the podcast or followed it on your favorite uh, podcast app, uh, please do. That helps us out a lot and we appreciate it. That's right. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. All right. We'll see you. There are only four things certain since social progress began. That the dog returns to his vomit, and the sow returns to her mother, and the burnt pool bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And that after this is accomplished, and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sin, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook hidden with terror